It's time for another edition of Dome and Domer, the only podcast for Notre Dame fans by Notre Dame fans. If you're looking for cogent analysis and unbiased opinions backed by careful reporting, you've come to the wrong place. For the next 20 minutes or so, you'll get a fan's perspective on the Fighting Irish without all the normal spin from the so-called professional analysts. It's Dome and Domer. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Brammer and Ed Jordanic. Hello, Irish fans, and welcome to another edition of Dome and Domer. My name is Mike Brammer. Joining me tonight, special guest and former guest, Chris Travers, 1990 Dylan Hall roommate. Chris, thanks for coming. It was really nice of you to do this on short notice. Awesome. Ma- Mike, it's a pleasure. I wish I had the background that you got there. I'm not sure what planet <laughs> it is. It looks like. You'll, you'll get to be a pro at this after one of these episodes. Field goal against Utah or, you know, yeah, exactly. Alabama, maybe. No, nah, it's, it's a game earlier this year at home. Um, I'm trying to think who that is, actually. That might actually it, well, it's not Stanford, and it's not Marshall. It feels like it might be a loss somehow, but, you know, I'm not sure who that might be. Well, yeah, unfortunately, there were two big ones this year. So. Right, right. Um, but anyways, yeah. To. I'm sure we'll get around to talking. We'll get to it. You know, what's kind of interesting, uh, Chris, I kind of feel like the USC game was almost like a microcosm of the state of the program at the moment. And here's my thinking on that. I mean, just imagine this. You've got Pine going, what, was he 23 to 26? I mean, I don't know what it was. It was something ridiculous. He was 15 and 15 at one point. He's 23 to 26, um, 300-some yards. But one huge, massive mistake. I mean, if he doesn't fumble that exchange, we probably it does don't change the complexion. Yeah, we we punch it in. We're probably down three, and the I think the whole game changes. But you give Caleb Williams two scores, and he's gonna doubt. I mean, he's just gonna run freely. He's gonna do what he wants. And so I really felt like that was hurting it. But anyways, back to my original point. Here we are. A guy turns in that kind of game, that kind of performance, and. He's entering the transfer portal. I mean, he's out the door. Yeah. And but but I, what's interesting is if you really break down why that's the case, I personally actually think it makes sense. I mean, I hate to say it, but I just think that Pine is a hell of a number two type guy. He he unfortunately isn't the playmaker that playoff bound teams need in order to compete, and he just isn't that guy. I hate to say it, but. That's just my gut instinct. I love the kid to death. He's a tough kid. He's the kind of kid you want on your team. But when it's all said and done, when you're trying to build an offense around that particular position, it just puts you in a in a in a tight spot. And I think that the Irish coaching staff was just honest with them, you know. As yeah, you I, I don't hate you know when you say I, I hate to say it, but you know I don't hate to say it, and I think he already kind of knows that he's the type of player that. I think any sane Notre Dame fan would have been appreciative to have had, but also at the same time, not terribly sad to see go. Okay. Because of the things that you mentioned that we need an upgrade at the position in order to be able to rightfully feel that we've got a shot at the playoffs, which is still kind of the, the ceiling, which I hope that we do get to as far as just taking a look at the, the state of the union of the program and what realistic expectations can and or should be 
But Drew Pine is a good guy to have around on your roster for the very reason that he was there for this year, that your first guy, who was experimental at best, by the way, didn't quite work out, whether it be through injury or lack of production, and you plugged and play with Pine, and he did a great job. He was absolutely sensational against North Carolina. And that type of performance is the type of performance that you can actually win a playoff game, the type of accuracy that he put on display. He did. Yep, he did. You know, yeah. but uh, but you're right. He's not going to be able to be the guy that's going to actually hold the torch and be good enough to beat a playoff caliber team, let alone win the whole thing. Yeah, and that's exactly the point. And I, you know, back to your point you just made about Buckner. I mean, I think, boy, talk about a, a one game scenario for him. But if he does, in fact, start in the bowl game and boy, he's going to have to make a real heck of an impression now. I did. I, I happened to watch the press conference that Tommy Reese gave just a couple of days ago. It yeah. was really interesting what he said. And to be honest with you, Chris, I mean, I I, I have experience playing quarterback at the high school level, yeah. and so for me, um, th- it was and one inner of, hall if that counts, and, and inner hall, and that does count. That's another step up. And but you know, it was in the inner hall where I figured this out, and that was how to read defenses. I, I could do like one read and my second read in high school. But what I couldn't do is I couldn't drop back and see the whole field and then do it until towards the end of the season at Dillon Hall. I finally figured that out. Now, Tommy Reese said that he felt like Buckner really gained some knowledge by sitting up there in the press conference with him analyzing the game from that perspective. Because every single snap. I think you mean the press box. The press box. Press box. Yeah, I'm sorry. Press box. Because you're seeing the entire field. And it kind of forces you to think that way. You know what I mean? Like the reason Brady and these guys are so damn good is when the ball snapped to them and they're dropping back, they're looking at all the defensive players, seeing where they're going, and then they go to their guy. You see what yeah. I mean? Like they're not they're not looking at, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this guy first. If he's open, I'm throwing it to it, but if he's not open, I'm gonna try my second guy. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. The, the really good quarterbacks. Yeah, they drop back, they look at the whole entire field, and they say, what are you giving me? Okay, if that's what you're giving me, I'm going to throw it to the outlet. Yeah. And it's obvious on film this year where Pine missed a few of those. He threw into double coverage down the middle to Mayer because I might as well throw it near the guy. Yeah, he might pull it down anyway because he's that kind of guy. But, But if you're dropping back and the defense is backing up and the outside backers are backing up and they're giving that dump, well, then give it to Diggs. Let him get five, seven. Maybe he misses a tackle when he gets ten. Right. You've got to take what the defense gives you, and I just don't think that we were getting that with and, – and so I, it, it'll be interesting to see if Buckner does – because I don't think he was seeing the whole field in the first couple games. And I think they knew that, and I think they went with what they could go with. But, again, Buckner's going to have to do that if he wants to solidify that position and play it and get us to a playoff bound. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could say on that, to be brief, and I don't want to get too much inside baseball here because we're not there behind closed yeah, doors. exactly. I, I recognize that, okay, if Buckner had a problem going through the progressions rapidly and efficiently and having the game slow down, as they like to say, fine. I also recognize that at times, certainly last year at this time, um, and what we saw earlier on in the season, to me, you know, this is the kind of thing I hate to say, but, you know, like, it's true. He knows this. If he's honest with himself, he's got to confront it. He looked like Nuke from Bull Durham at times. He was that wild. And yeah. when somebody is that wild, 
I wonder if it's just like a tweaking or an overhaul that needs to take place. And if it's just accuracy that we're demanding from him that he's just not going to be capable of no matter how yeah. long he's at Notre Dame. So that yeah. to me remains to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, look, he's going to have to have a good game and he's going to have to have a great spring, but he's going to have a ton of competition, which is what you want. And, yep. and, um, you know, for, Staying on the quarterback position, I do like the kid from Pittsburgh that we stole. I watched film on him. He he's he's a talent. So there is some real pressure coming on campus next year because um, he's a guy that can compete. I, I I would love to get him a year to where he could sit back and just learn everything and redshirt him. Um, but who knows what's going to happen? Especially if we get a transfer. I assume that's going to happen. I don't know about you, but I think for sure we got. We're targeting at least the transfer QB at the moment. I got to believe the it. The kid from North Carolina is one to keep an eye on, from what I read on recruiting message boards. Really? Yes. So I can't remember his name, like Drake Mayer or something. Mayer, like right, he yeah. He didn't have a wonderful game against us, but he wasn't terrible either. No, and but he's a stud. He's a real he deal. Is. Yeah. He is. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But, yes, absolutely. The quarterback room needs some butts in the seats. And yeah. you don't. Look, and I'm not trying to hijack this conversation. I certainly don't want to hijack the conversation to be able to take it over to our most natural enemy that exists, but Michigan for a second. Michigan has a quarterback right now that's good enough to win the whole thing, and I believe that they actually will, unfortunately. Again, I don't want to talk about that too much at length because yeah. it kind of turns my stomach. But what he <laughs> has is not is not a I set the world on fire moxie about him. He has I have enough accuracy. I certainly have enough athleticism that the play breaks down. I can throw a little bit on the move. I can throw just enough. I can throw just deep enough to be able to get you to respect yeah. that. And that's what Notre Dame needs. You don't necessarily need the next Trevor Lawrence, but you do need somebody that says, okay, we really need seven points here and not three. Once yeah. every, say, three possessions, I can get you that. Yep. And, you know, that can put up. 250 to 300 yards without needing 40 passes to do so. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because you, you really, as a, as a competitive program, you need a guy that can put up almost 300 yards a game. You need right. it. You, you can't be doing it with. So, you know, I know everybody keeps talking about Pine being number 20 in the nation in efficiency quarterback rating. But we also were like over one hundred in the country in in offensive passing. Yes, so that's a problem. I mean, you you can't be good effectively and compete for playoff positioning when you're the number one hundredth offense passing in the country. That ain't gonna work. So how about let's shift to that to the playoffs and 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 you know what is it that your realistic kind of ceiling of the program is is it really winning a championship and if so draw me a roadmap and how to get there and if it's not then convince me that people should be happier with say the playoffs once every say two or three or four years and i'm talking the four team playoff like one of the top four teams because now we're going to be expanding to 12 teams and if it's going to be an expansion to 12 teams what is it that notre dame can really honestly go into the season and legitimately hope for and or expect? Well, I, I, I do think there's a chance for us to win the national championship. And I, I think that's why, I, I don't think it was with Brian Kelly. I mean, no harm, no foul against them. I like Brian Kelly, he did a hell of a job. He he definitely built a program. And, and even though we were in some dark days in 2016, he got us out of it. And I mean, he supplanted us. 
Can I, I just make a quick comparison here? I'm going to hand it right back to you after I plant a little seed of a thought with you. The way that I had hoped that this Kelly to Freeman transition took place, which I understand is obviously only a year old, and we can give Freeman his end-of-season grades and Rees as well and Golden or whatever, okay? But the way that I had hoped that this is going to turn out, and still do, that you remember the the Golden State Warriors of, say, what was it, 2013-ish, 2012-13? Mark Jackson was then the coach at the Warriors. And then he brought them, he brought them out of the basement and made yep. them a playoff team, not a championship contender, but a playoff team, got them to the quote-unquote next level. Then when they made the, the switch to Kerr, which I think was what, 2015, give or yep. take, right around yep. there? At some point after a couple of years, they decided to move on from Jackson. They handed the reins over to Kerr, and Kerr took them to that championship level. So I had hoped that Brian Kelly, who was an expert at winning the games he should, he needs yeah. credit for that. And that's why he's he the winningest coach of all time, by the way. He yeah. won all the games that he should win, with the exception of a, you know, tops a handful over 11 years or whatever it was. Yeah. And and by the way, Freeman has shown a little bit of a vulnerability to win the games that he should, i.e. Stanford, Marshall, right? Okay, we're not blaming him for Ohio State. We're not even we're giving him certainly a you know a pass for USC. Okay, yeah. but those two other ones that I mentioned were the games that we don't want to have to lose. But Kelly won the games that he should, where he struggled with with the games that he shouldn't win. That's right. right. Okay, yep. the Florida right. State in 2014, the Clemson in 2015, the Miami in 2017, and then certainly the playoffs going on. So that's where I was hoping, and still am, that Freeman can break through, a la Steve Kerr, okay, and take us to that next level. So give me your yep. thoughts on that. I, I, do, I do think so. And I think, you know, the, to your point on the Marshall and the Stanford loss, I mean, I, I think we knew we were going to have that this year. And the reason is you can't just walk into college football and be a head football coach at a power five program and win 10, 11 games without any hiccups. It's just yeah. if it were that simple, then guys wouldn't be paid the way that they are. So we knew that was going to happen. We knew that Freeman was going to lose probably one or two games that he shouldn't because he's a brand new coach. And, and you know, there's a couple of things that I think, again, but, but, you know, but is that the only reason that we lost? Uh, no, no, I don't think that's the only reason, but I think a good coach avoids that loss because he yeah. sees what's going on in the game, makes in-game adjustments because of the way guys are playing. You know what I mean? Like it's things that you see as a head coach. And and this is why, back to my original point on USC being a microcosm of the program, there were two plays in that, that stood out to me where Freeman, I think, could have made a difference. One of them was the second time Caleb Williams punted the football. Yeah, so you'd already seen it happen once. The second time he did the quick kick, you actually had your punt returner back there. He was. Why, why not gamble? I mean, even the announcers made reference to it. You know, there was one guy to beat. Now, he may not have scored a touchdown, but he definitely is flipping the field. He was getting to the 50-yard line for sure if Brandon doesn't, doesn't you know, wave that. Fair catch. Yeah, Exactly. The second one, and this to me was the more disappointing. Notre Dame, by the way, has had fair catch itis ever since about 2006. Yeah, when they when they fumbled Golden one and Chase cost them the game. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, so I agree. Now, now, Brandon, I thought he, he he did a great job this year. He got like 
five to ten yards. He did. He really did. So all the more reason why I think you can gamble. And again, another opportunity. Or have been loosened. Yes. The second play that I was probably more disappointed in, and I'm, I hope I'm not giving away something here in the bowl game, so slap me down if I am, but I thought we had a huge opportunity on that Mitch Palooza play that we always run. You've run it six times in a row. Why not fake the quarterback sneak and go wide and just get the first down or maybe even a touchdown? If anything... USC. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying for the for the Mitch, for the tight end that comes in to run the quarterback sneak, yeah, throw the ball. Yeah, to actually to actually play or play action off of it, something, just anything other than a quarterback sneak, because you were assuming that he can throw. Well, he's a former quarterback, so I would hope he can oh, throw. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. okay. Yeah, no, he was. He's a former quarterback. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, you know, again, that's I, a good idea. I, I'd like to see that. I mean, if he truly is a former quarterback, I can't understand why we didn't have a play ready for that. If he can't throw the football, maybe things have changed and he's got fat fingers now. Maybe you're right. Then okay, that kind. Of, but even still, why not? You've got yes, you've got pine. Show it to him. Make him think you, about it. Because yeah, you got pine in the backfield. Why not flip it to pine and let him throw it? I'll give you the I'll give you the scenario so, that you and I think would both like to see it under. How about say third and one against quality competition? where you run that play, where they think yeah. it's the quarterback sneak in order to avoid yeah. fourth down. Not necessarily yep. on fourth down. You run that play, you waste it, then you come back and you got to run something else. But at least you showed them that we can do. We've actually scripted something. We ran it. It may not have yeah. turned you, but you got to think about this the next time we line up in this posi- in this type of formation. It's not a exactly. bad idea. I, at the time, I just think that had we gotten that first down again, another huge momentum shift. Had we gotten that first down, but anyways, but but the you know back to the original point. I mean, I think that the Freeman one point. What's that? The microcosm point. Yeah. Well, no. Back to Freeman. In terms of him as a head coach, I do think he gets through this season. He learns a lot. I think he'll stop going for it as much instead of taking the three points. I think when you're the better team and you got the better talent, you got to take the three points in and early on in the game because it just means so much. When you're putting points on the board, you can't continually go down the field, get in scoring position and walk away with a goose egg. It's it's not fair to your team. You can't put them in that position when they're the better football team. Um, but what he has been able to do is he's been able to recruit and he's done it. And I think if he continues with what he's doing, man, it's hard to believe that he isn't going to do better than Brian Kelly and and ultimately get us to that championship game. And then it becomes... All right, is he the kind of guy that can rally the troops? I think he is. I don't know why, but I do think he is. I think he's that quarterback playmaker with one other guy. He gets two five-star playmakers on the offensive side and look out. Ifs. Okay, that's fine. Okay, before we run to the recruiting, which I really would like to spend a minute there, which I think we will, what's your just overall season grade that you give? I give him a, a B-. minus. I, I, mean, I would I, give the exact same thing. I think yeah, I think he's different reasons from what it is that you're stating right now in the reindeer games that he participated in that I think some of which were avoidable um, yep. and some of which that I was pleasantly surprised that we were able to kind of turn around. I, I think that he and his voice and what it is that he's imparting to the group is welcomed. They they appreciate what it is that he's saying about them. I think that he is 
good enough in accountability, although I'm very much, very much in favor of what it is that I'm hearing coming from Deion Sanders and out of his mouth as far as the messaging that he is permeating within his locker room. I know that that's not Marcus Freeman's style, and I'm okay with his style as long as the players are still respecting it and they feel that there's consequence to what it is that they're doing whether it be trying to avoid the negative or trying to actually build the positive and, and bring the championship home. And right. Um, but I think that in some ways he has, he has hemorrhaged some recruits. So this isn't again to, to transition into the recruiting, but you know, we lost an, an extremely important piece to any possible quality defense in what's his name? Keon Keeley. Okay. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the weak side defensive end. Yep. Peyton Bowen is very much at best a coin flip at this point at another key position, that being safety. He'd come in and start probably by the second half of the first game. Um, if we don't have world beating linebackers on the field next year, then I'm not sure what we can possibly say about the recruiting, because that's been the best position over the last two, maybe even three cycles. OK, yeah. Yeah, so there agree. are players coming in and there are players there now. From Kali to yep. uh, what's that kid, Jason Jalen Sneed, okay, yep. guys yep. that are struggling to see the field, but heck, they're world beaters when they come to the recruiting rankings. And the guys coming in next year, Bowen and and there's a couple other names out there that I yeah. just, just don't come to me right now, but I know that they're high on our list. So I am quite concerned about a pass rush. I am quite concerned about the second level. I think the third level is actually looking the strongest because of some pleasant surprises a la Jaden Mickey and certainly Morrison. But at yeah. safety, I'm not sure who's really going to be behind them. And then wide receivers certainly need to fill out. But as far as his season grade, the reason why I would go with a B minus, I feel, is because I think he could have done a better job again in those games that he should have won. I think the Ohio State game was a good enough game. Okay, they did yep. certainly good enough. I think Rees did a great job, certainly in the second half of that game. Uh, or was it the first half? I don't remember. You know, it's been too long. But one of the halves, I thought he called a very good game. And maybe yeah. the second half that things fell off. But um, I I don't think that they really showed what it is that they were capable of doing. They didn't pull off. They didn't pull out enough weapons and gimmicks, if you will, from their cupboard. OK, if Reese is such a state of the art, he's with the Times coach. I think he could have showed a little bit more there in that game. Yeah. And he had Buckner. Don't forget. Yep. Yeah. Um, so but as far as holding the season together, you know, the middle of the season was great. Right. I it mean, was. Yeah, it was a good stretch run there for a while. Yeah, I mean, North Carolina, Syracuse, Clemson. I mean, that's a heck of a run. It was. Um, and, and I think that, you know, to his credit, I mean, he beat a top five team in Clemson when they were five at the time. Um, and that's a quality football program. That's not a program that's. Eh, there's a few studs on. No, there's several athletes on that team that they manhandled. And um, and and I think that's the show of a guy that can get his players to play at high levels because they, they have a trust factor and a belief in him. Um, when, when you're that tight with your players, you could get that out of, out of that. And I think that's why I like him and what I'm seeing. But, but I think the B- minus was, yeah, there's two games you had no business losing – and, and, and then the, the way you lost them, yeah, the way you lost them just, the thing about a B minus is don't forget, it is still a little bit above average. 
right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I choose yeah. to see as being an average season. It was slightly yeah. above average. And no, it definitely one was. One of the other things that I felt was decent about it, that the honeymoon ended fast. Yep. I was glad to be, you know, by the second. Yeah, season, no, I think that's a good like thing, too. Over. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, I, I do like him. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I think we got a lot of upside with him. I yeah. think um, I'm, I'm excited. I really think there's a lot to be excited about heading forward with this program and where we're at. It's it's a different dynamic, the world we live in now. You know, this whole transfer thing. I was kind of glad to see that Notre Dame is now looking at non-graduate transfers. Uh, they almost have to if they're going to stay competitive. It's just you can't just ignore that and not address it. There's too much talent out there, well, and it and it it affects things. I mean, it, you can plug a hole that you've got like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy the way this has altered the college football landscape. It's nuts. In, in um, typical fashion, I think Notre Dame is always a step behind, right? Yeah. Okay. Usually. And, yeah. And, and I think, and, and I'd like to hear at least your preliminary thoughts of how you feel Notre Dame is handling the NIL and what you think it, its outlook for us is on the future. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. I, I I don't think we're ever going to lead the charge in that. It's just not going to be in Notre Dame's DNA to do that. Um, I think as long as they're combining, hey, it's not all NIL. It's NIL right at the moment while you're capable of making that kind of money. But don't forget, your four-year degree is going to translate into a lot more than that. I, I just read an article today about Justin Tuck, who's now a director at Goldman Sachs. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff, doors, windows that open up to you with that four-year degree. And I think, you know, look, it doesn't I think, hurt that he played for the New York Giants and was an all-pro for a few years, <laughs> right? Okay, so. Yeah, true. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying that he is a Notre Dame kid. So let's, you know, that is what it is. But my point is, is that um, I think that combined with the NIL puts us in that playing category of a competitive nature now we're going to lose out to the kid that wants big money we're not going to have it for him i just don't think we're going to have it um but by the same nor token should we right nor should we you just don't want to be in that yeah i think i don't know i i i'm a little nervous about what's going to happen with college football over the next three three years because it's a little too much the wild west at the moment and um and i don't know it just I, i'm not sure how this shakes out but for now you just you got to play with the cards that are dealt you, and that's what it is. This and is why I'm a little bit more bearish than you. While I think that if, say, Marcus Freeman were here five years ago and before NIL, say, and it was everybody's playing by relatively the same rules, everybody's got a jumbotron, everybody's got state-of-the-art facilities, everybody's competing legitimately for the same players, and there's only the only thing separating it is say the weather, the campus, and the stature of the program, I think Notre Dame would stand to be much more competitive. Now, given the insatiable thirst for the short-term benefit that recruits are currently being confronted with, I think that Notre Dame is at a disadvantage, and you are going to lose a lot of those battles when you're saying to an 18-year-old, hey, you can be, you know, and I'm not terribly familiar with how the whole NIL thing works, but you can be endorsed by, say, some local car dealership to the tune of X amount of dollars here at, say, University of Florida. I hope I'm not being defaming them right now. Or Notre Dame, where you're talking about 40 years and you're talking about possibly 
you know, saying you can be a part of that dealership, but the money's going to a charity and not to your pocket. I think that unfortunately Notre Dame's going to lose much more than we're going to win. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think this is where you know we'll see where this all shakes out. I mean, I think it's definitely. Uh, I, I just hope that it doesn't because. Uh, I don't like the idea of this wild free agency every single year. That just doesn't make sense. Right. It, it's going to lose the branding of the schools. It's going to lose the loyalty. You're going to have one guy do something great for one school, impact, you know, a championship in some sort of way. And then what? He's going to do it at some other school. Yeah. And maybe I, even a third. I mean, this is just is, nuts. It's the whole system is likely. I don't know when. I can't really forecast a timeline on this one. But the whole system is likely to go splat at some point. Yeah, and there's okay. going to be a super conference of 16 teams, and those yeah. guys just do it. That that is what we're looking at if we if we're not careful, Hill, and it'll be sooner than later. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. I think the and NCAA the splat will be people saying, you know what, the heck with it. I'm in the heck with it this because my team no yeah. longer has any chance, and you get yep. people tuning out. Yep. Yep. You know. So yeah, that, that, and, that, and that, I think it'll be interesting. To, I think it's going to be real interesting to see where Notre Dame falls. Do they go into that super conference, or do they say, you know what, we're going to stay outside of it? We're going to do college athletics, and we want to be the upper echelon of that secondary system. Well, I that think that even if they joined that conference that you're t- that super conference that you're talking about right now, unless they were to change their outlook and how they present or how they interface with NIL, I think that there is a risk to basically being the bottom feeder of said conference. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. You know, so I I do hope that we are uh, worried about nothing, and I hope that Notre Dame does find a way to navigate those really tough waters that has us at a disadvantage, slightly at least, going in, and are able to find and filter out the types of kids that are able to see far enough down the road to where they can kind of put off and delay their gratification financial gratification for a few years. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, that's the message you got to win with and and sell it. And and look, I mean, at the moment, I think it's working. I mean, he's got a heck of a class coming in. If he can keep them all, we'll find out. Um, But boy, that's got to excite you in his first real recruiting class him bringing in a top five class. That's not very often we do that. So um, a lot of excitement, a lot of buildup. It's going to be interesting. Hey, Chris, really, thanks for doing this. It was nice of you to hop on short notice like this. And no, it's always, my always great to talk to you. You're an old pro at this, even though you do it once every five years. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you on again when Mike and Ed give me the uh, – Oh, heave, I'm too tired tonight to do it. Let's pick some other night. Oh, and, then, you know, I'd love to be able to get those guys on. I, I'm, I'm a big fan listening to Ed. I glean a lot from him and Mike as well. Um, so I've been, you know, a, a loyal follower, and it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, you enjoy it. It's a lot of fun, and it's great. I, I tried both of them. They couldn't do it today. But, um, but in any event, we'll have them on and do another one. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Chris. We've been uh, listening to Dome and Domer, an online conversation about Notre Dame sports from a fan's perspective. For Chris Travers, I'm Mike Brammer. Thanks for listening.